So this week, I'm just going to talk quickly about being strong and courageous in work. Uh, there's this scripture in Joshua, and who knows who Joshua is? Well, Joshua was a, was a fellow in the Old Testament who, who was taking over the job of a, of a man who had some pretty big shoes to fill, okay? Uh, his name was Moses. Now, Moses was the guy who took the Israelites, like over a million people, out of Egypt who were in slavery and took them to go and explore a new land to, to develop them into a new city as led by God. And um, it, it come to a time where Moses' uh, life was about to end and he says to Joshua, okay, Joshua, I'm, I'm going to assign you as the leader, right? It's pretty big shoes to fill. Suddenly, Joshua is going to be the leader of all these people. And uh, this, is what, this is what Moses says to Joshua. He says, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous? I love this scripture. It's one of my favorites. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Now, if you can make this scripture for your life, it's going to help you. It's a great scripture. You can claim it. You can write this on your mirror and lipstick if you've got lipstick. You can you know, put a post-it note uh, and, and just get this scripture. 1, 1, 1 Joshua uh, verse 9 It's such a good scripture. Um, the reason I put this scripture up and the reason why I think this is important is because we, we live our lives based on either one of two things, either trust or fear. And with this scripture, when you look at this and, and don't understand what's actually behind this scripture, uh, you could be like, okay, I'm going to make a choice to be strong and I'm going to make a choice to be courageous and, and, and I'm not going to be afraid. And I'm not going to be discouraged. And I'm like that, you know, uh, who remembers uh, the old Disney cartoon, uh, Dumbo? Remember Dumbo? You remember Dumbo and the train that has to make it up the mountain? Uh, what is he saying to himself? I forget. Mm, I can make it. I think it's I can do it or something like that. And he's, he's, he's steaming up courage to make it up the mountain. And we, we think, yeah, this kind of scripture. Yeah, I've just got to, I've got to make it like that. I've got to make a choice. But you've got to understand something. There's got to be something backing that courage. Courage and, 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 and uh, being strong and, and not having fear. You've got to have a reason why you've got courage. There's got to be something behind that. We live our lives based on trust or fear. We, we live our lives either and all the decision, decisions we make in our work and what we do in our workplace on either whether or not we trust God or whether or not we fear God. Now let me explain what I'm about to say. Uh, when trouble comes in times of testing, you're going to find out whether or not you fear God. Now, the Bible, uh, just for you, those of you who know uh, the Bible, you're like, well, the Bible does say to fear God. I'm not talking about that kind of fear. Let me just define the kind of fear I'm talking about. The kind of fear I'm talking about is the fear where you are afraid that God doesn't love you. Where you are afraid that you are all alone in this universe and that there is no one there to rescue you. That's the kind of fear I'm talking about. The fear, there's one of those translation problems in the Bible where they've got one English word to define a lot of other words out of the Hebrew, okay, or out of the old or the Greek. Um, the, the fear of God is to understand when the Bible says to fear God, it's saying to fear God means to, um, to actually 
know who he is and understand the fact that he is like an untamable lion. You know, like you can't tame a lion. A lot of people try to tame God. And uh, the fact is he, he isn't within our control. Uh, we submit to him. He doesn't submit to us in terms of we can't control God. Okay, so, so to, to, to the, where it says in the beginning of Proverbs, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. It's, it's saying to know who God is and to know that he is in control, not you, right? That's the kind of fear. But I'm talking about a different kind of fear. I'm talking about the fear that, that says that you are nothing, that you, that you have got nothing in this world, that you are alone and you have to fight it out all by yourself. And, and in, it's in times of testing where we're going to see whether or not we trust God or whether we fear God. And what we do when we, try, when we actually have a fear God mentality is we try to control God. We start to do things because we think that we can actually curry favor with God. You know, and, and there are systems that are set up in place in order to get money so, from, from you so that they can say things like, well, if you do this, that, and the other. And what they'll do is they'll sow into the fear that you've got into your heart. They'll say, you know, well, this is going to happen, or this thing is going to happen, or that's going to happen. But if you do this um, for a fee, uh, we, we, you, then this is not going to happen, and things are going to go better for you. Right? It's fear-based because we all have this, this default in our hearts of fear where we're like, oh gosh, well, what's going to happen now? I can't control it. Do you understand? You all know what I'm talking about, right? In times of testing is when it comes out. But what God is saying is you can trust me. You can trust me. You can trust me through the times of testing. And when we will learn, learn that we can actually trust God, we'll actually learn that we can, we, we can derive courage from that. Okay. Um, Jesus says this, right, to his disciples. He's sending out his disciples, and they're going to, uh, for the first time, there's 70 of them. For the first time, there, he's saying to them, I want you to go out and do what I do. So Jesus, up to that point, he'd been healing people. He'd been setting, like, people who had been bound by demons free, and uh, he'd been telling people about the news of the good news of the kingdom, the gospel that, that Jesus has come to love. And, and, and he says to these 70 people, he says, now I want you to go out and do what I do. To, and he sends them out to different towns, right? And this is what he says to them. It's really encouraging. You ready? This is what he says. He says, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Oh, thanks, Jesus. That's encouraging. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. As shrewd as snakes and innocent, innocent as doves. Isn't that interesting? You couldn't get two more polar opposite animals. Like picture a snake. Who likes snake? Does anybody like snakes here? Okay, we got one person, two people who like snake, two boys, three boys. No, none of the girls like snakes. I'm just pointing that out. Just three boys' hands here. Oh, I'm a tough guy. Oh, well, I love snakes. No, I, I had snakes for breakfast. Yeah, no worries. Okay. <laughs> we got the snakes, and then we go, who, who likes doves? Who likes doves? Oh, such cute little, little animals, right? Now, this is interesting. Because what kind, of, what kind of person was Jesus entrusting his people to be? Like, what, what was he trying to put into them? And, and, and this is what you have to understand about Jesus. And this is, this, is really, this is really amazing for you as a follower of Christ or if you're beginning to look into uh, this whole walking with Jesus. See, see, Jesus understood something about life. He understood something that, that there are a lot of wolves out there that are out there to devour. And, and, and like within our, our work relationships, 
Um, well, 90% of the trouble you're going to face is going to be through relationships at work, right? It's either going to be, if you're married, it's going to be there, uh, where you, your relationship with your wife or your family, where, where there's going to be trouble there. The other, the other most of that trouble is going to come from work. And Jesus knows that as he's sending you out into your workplace, he's going, I'm sending you out to be a follower, but know this, I'm sending you out to be a sheep among wolves. But he gives them an out. It's really cool. He gives them an out. He says, you can be shrewd as a snake. Now, a lot of Christians, can I just speak to the Christians who have grown up in Christian life, you know, all their lives, and, and, and they're kind of, I speak to myself here. I, w- I went to a Christian school, and I'm not talking about like a Christian school as in it was a Christian school. It's like you had to get a letter from your pastor that you were a Christian to go to that school. Like my parents had to, my parents were pastors and they still had to get a letter from a pastor. You understand? It was that Christian, okay? <laughs> and, uh, and, and when I went out into uh, college, when I got into college, I was shocked because I'd lived this kind of like bubble life of Christianity uh, in Australia and, and uh, I didn't realize the whole snake thing. I was just this innocent kid who every thought, everyone thought I was just a little bit He's that Christian kid. He's a bit, you know, he doesn't get the world, you know. He's a bit stupid, right? But, but Jesus, he was shrewd. Now, I'm, t- I'm talking in an Indian context here, and all of you Indians I know, you're like, yes. <laughs> because let me tell you something. What I've noticed as an outsider coming in, living here six years, I have, I, I have never been in a more shrewder culture. And that's a compliment. I mean, you guys know. You guys know how to get around things, right? Okay? It's all good. I'm not, I'm not trying to... I hope, I hope nobody is uh, offended by what I'm trying to say. Uh, I, I've learnt since being here how to be more shrewd. Do you understand? From watching you all. And uh, it is necessary. You're all laughing. Good. I'm a bit worried that someone missed... I'm just checking the room. I got no like... Hmm, stupid Australians. Ball tampering duffers. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> snakes are really clever when, what, what does a snake represent cleverness streetwise okay intellectual keenness pra- practical wisdom the other thing about snakes is they're really subtle you don't even know they're there and they're there right you know that's a good thing and, and for you to be in your workplace I think you need to remember this you need, to, you need to be smart in your workplace, and it's all good. You need to be ahead of the game. You need to be up the night before having read everything for that meeting so that you're ahead of everybody else and that you're ready for whatever questions and you've anticipated what questions are going to come so that you're on the ball. And they'll be like, whoa, that person's smart, man. I didn't... Re- oh, oh you got to watch out for those Christians. They're shrewd, right? But that's not the reputation we tend to have, right? Unfortunately. I don't know what your, what your perception of a Christian has been, but I, I don't come across many that would say, yeah, you know, they're pretty shrewd. They're, it's more like, mm, they can tend to be a bit dot, 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 or a bit this and that, a bit lazy, a bit this or that. You know, I, I've heard all sorts of things in this context, right? But then Jesus says, you need to be as innocent as... Now, that's interesting. This is where our reliance on God comes in. Because there is a massive gap there. 
But you're like, how am I going to be shrewd yet innocent? And, and here's, here's when Jesus was talking about a dove. I mean, he's talking about purity. That's what a, that's what a dove represents, purity, right? Innocence, uh, unmixed, simplicity. So how do, we, how do we balance all of that? Well, that's going to take some reliance upon God. An example of that was, is Daniel, and I'm nearly out of time, so I, I don't want to go too far. Is Daniel. Now, Daniel, this guy had courage. He's in the Old Testament. He had courage. He had the courage to be shrewd. And he had the courage to face danger. I mean, look at this. In Daniel chapter 1, verse 3 to 14, we put that up. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, had to think about that for a moment, chief of his court officials to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning. Sounds like some of the men here, some of the single men, girls. They're very much like this in C3 Mumbai. You can seek them out and marry them. Well informed. <laughs> Quick to understand. I mean, the boys are like, yeah, this is me to the T, this is who I am. And qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. What's the background on this? The Israelites had come into the, had, come, had been taken over by Babylon. So, so the king took some of the highest of the land and took them into his court in order for them to rule the Israelites in his land. One of those people was Daniel, okay? The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and Azariah. Off to bed we go. <laughs> but Daniel resolved... Not to defile himself. That's an old joke. I'm glad you laughed. But Daniel resolved himself. Now listen. Daniel resolved himself not to defile himself. Sorry, I'm going to start that again. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. Okay? In other words, the food that they were offering was, kosher, was not kosher. Okay? It was all the things that you're not supposed to eat as a good little Jewish boy. Now he doesn't go up and say to the chief official, I'm not allowed to eat all of that because I'm a Jew. He doesn't do that because that would have been silly in this court. Everybody, he would have been marked from that point on. was like, ah, oh, that's the guy who came up and said he's not going to eat the food. He devises a plan. He's shrewd. He goes and thinks about this and he thinks, how am I going to walk through this? How am I going to do this? How am I going to approach this? He, he comes up with a plan. Okay? He has something going on in the background. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel, but the official told Daniel... I'm afraid of the Lord, the King, of my Lord, the King, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The King would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your service. Here's the shrewdness for 10 days. Just give us a test. He gets his foot in the door. Okay, just 10 days. It's only 10 days. It's nothing, right? You can do 10 days. You can do 10 days. All right, I'll do 10 days. Okay, give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. See, he's vegetarian. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat royal food and treat your servants in accordance to, with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. God honored 
Dan Daniel in this and he came out healthier because he trusted God. But he was shrewd. He had a plan. He had a way of doing it. He way had a way of getting around it. And sometimes we make the mistake of just coming up and just banging because of what we value and what we believe and what we know. And it's like, don't do that in your workplace. Have a plan. Be shrewd. Be working in the background. You don't have to deceive people. You don't have to lie. You don't have to do all of those things, but you can think things through and be smart. In fact, that's what Jesus expected of his disciples as he sent them out. Okay? Then Daniel, um, he, has, he has this shrewdness and then he has this courage to face the lions. I won't go through it because I've run out of time, but, but basically what happens later on is, is uh, Daniel has such favor with the king that he becomes the leader of the nation under the king. Okay? And uh, everyone, all the courtiers and all of those in, who were playing, playing the power games in the king's court were very jealous of Daniel. So they devised, they were shrewd, they devised a plan to get Daniel thrown into a lion's den. Basically, they made a rule about Daniel's praying. Daniel continued to pray. He ends up getting thrown into a lion's den. And uh, in the face of danger, he still has courage, lives through it. God honors him, shuts the mouths of the lions and ends up the king becomes a follower of God because of the faithfulness of God to Daniel. What's the application here? You've got you to recognize that courage doesn't exist. Okay, this is a quote that I'm going to read you from a guy called Ken Costa. It is important to recognize that courage doesn't exist like some free-floating value. It has, indeed, it needs secure foundations to support it. We need a reason to be courageous. We need a reason. You've got to have a reason behind your courage. And I, I'm going to tell you something. When really, really tough times come, it isn't going to come from within. It's not going to come from within. It's going to come from an external source. Because when really, really tough times come and drain you of every positive thought that you thought you had, you're going to need someone. And his name is Jesus. Yeah, you can clap. Yeah, you can clap. I don't mind clapping for Jesus. Romans 8.31. Let me check this out. Romans 8.31. It says that, What then? Shall we say in response to these things, these troubles, these persecutions, these moments where we are, we are feeling troubled, if God is for us, then who can be against us? Do you know, do you believe, this is going to give you courage. This will give you courage. Do you know that God is for you? Do you really believe it? Do you understand why we can actually, I can stand here, I haven't got time to do it, but I can stand here and prove it to you that Jesus is for you? I'm not just saying these words backed on some sort of, you know, I just want to encourage. I'm, this is backed on the Bible. Jesus is for you. Now that changes everything. If the King of Kings is for you, you're going to have courage. When, you face, when you're faced with, with, with situations that are dire in your workplace, when you're faced with that corrupt official who is, who is trying to extort you, when you're faced with, with, with that moment where you're like, I don't know how we're going to move forward, I, how we're going to do what we're going to do, when you're faced with that boss who's just taking advantage of you, when you're faced with the troubles of work life, you're going to need courage. And you're going to need to remember that Jesus is for you. Because sometimes everything will feel like Jesus isn't for you. You've got to remember that he is. You've got to trust him like Daniel trusted him in times of peril.
and know that God will see you through. The song that we sang this morning, the first song, if you weren't here yet, we're going to sing it in the moment. Uh, it's, a, it's a new Hillsong song. And, and this is the lyrics. I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You guys can come up, by the way. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. Listen to this song. Sing it out to yourself. Get on YouTube and, and, and it's, it's just the song is called I Am Who You Say I Am. And, and sometimes we need to just get that into our world and trust Him. Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6. I'm going to finish with this scripture. Proverbs verse 3, 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Who knows that your understanding can sometimes totally go against everything that God says, right? I mean, sometimes you're not even going to understand. I, 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 I face this. I, I, I go through this as well as a human being. There are moments where I'm just like, God, I do not understand what is going on. Those moments, what do we do? We trust, we trust, we trust, we trust. Trust, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, what's the answer? Submit. In all your ways. Even when it doesn't make sense, just submit to Him. He's going to see you through. And Daniel was not the only one that God saw through. Time and time again, the Bible is filled with stories of people whom God saw them through, the situations they were in. And most of those situations that those people were in were in the context of their work. Okay? It wasn't the Sunday. It wasn't just, it's not just priests and these kind of holy people in the Bible. It's normal people where you see God at work in their lives, in their daily lives. Submit to Him and He will make your paths straight.